It's the it's just about balance. Striving for balance, you're being considered a balance, working to live, not living to work, you know, making sure that you're making time for the things that you have personal passion for, but that you also give yourself the grace to know that balance is not a real thing. On today's show, I sit down with the president of distribution at the Walt Disney Company, who I also happen to be married to. Dave Hollis is the only guy that I have ever interviewed on the podcast, but I felt like he had so much wisdom to share, it was worth it, even if he's not a lady. Dave and I are discussing work-life balance, why raising your hand at work is always the right way to go, and he takes us through what it means to operate a team at his level. My reasoning, as you well know, for wanting to do Deus was, I feel like so many things that exist within this space for women in business really speak down to women or patronizing or they bring women on the show and then only talk to them about work-life balance. So I didn't want to have a bunch of guys. I feel like guys get all kinds of representation on business podcasts. But if you happen to be married to an executive that is as smart and successful and attractive as you are, it feels like just a disservice to humankind to not do an interview with you. Oh, you're kind. You're so th- kind, kind. So thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Uh, I tell everybody that my intention with this is always that we will offer tangible advice to people. So rather than just sort of say, like, work hard, like, I want to know the specifics of what that means to you in your career. Um, but I would love it if you'd tell listeners what you do and how you landed there. And it is a long and illustrious career, but you could just, you know. You in, want the cliff note. Summation. You want the cliff note version. Cliff note version. Well, I look after distribution at the Walt Disney Studios. Yes. Greatest media company in the universe. Yep. And uh, that means that uh, the team that I get to work with and and work on uh, connects our movies from Marvel, Lucas, Pixar, Disney, and Disney Live Action to movie theaters like AMC or Cinemark in the U.S. or Odeon in the U.K., Wanda in China. And uh, we've had a great run. Coming off a record $7.5 billion year, biggest year in the history of the old movie business, and had a very, very big movie come from each of Marvel, Pixar, Lucas, Disney, and Disney Live Action. The biggest film from each of those studios made up the five biggest films globally for this last year. So That's incredible. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Has never been done. May never, ever be done again. So great to be part of something like that. Uh, I've worked at Disney for 16 years now and uh, had a 10-year stint on the home video side, 10 jobs in 10 years, which was exciting, satisfying any professional ADD with constant job change, uh, including a single-year stint in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yes, that was a, that was a big year for the Hollis Big family. year for the Hollis humans. Uh, but uh, really a great experience at an amazing company, and uh, before that worked at Fox for a little bit and TV, worked in talent planning, talent representation uh, at a PR firm, uh, uh, an agency, uh, and then did some grassroots marketing. I would say it's worth noting that probably one of the most interesting things, I think, about your career and the position that you find yourself in is you are pretty young to have the job that you have. Would you agree? I would agree. I have peers, contemporaries at other studios who do the thing that I do, and they are as you reference, older. Yes, much, much older. What do you think is the reason that you 
have been able, I mean, I have an opinion on why you've sort of had this meteoric rise to where you are, but what do you think, like, if you had to narrow it down to one thing? Uh, well, it's, I do think it's a combo of many things. Uh, one, uh, I believe in God, and I do think that there yes. is some uh, divine providence in the opportunities that have showed up in life and the timing in which they showed up. Which is so, real. That's but if real. we were going to offer tangible advice to listeners, you know what? I'm starting. <laughs> I'm starting there. Uh, well, th- I'd say the first thing is uh, having had a diversity of experience in a variety of fields. The the brand that is me and the marketability of me as an asset to the team in each experience was just a little more marketable and a little more. Uh, you know, had just a little more potential to be of service to whatever that next job was because of having had uh, just rounded out me more with whatever yeah. that last experience was. Yeah, I would, I would actually say, and do say that to people a lot, is I think that you are such an incredible example of someone who every time there was an opportunity, you raised your hand. Even if it was something that was crazy, that you didn't want to do, that you had no idea where it was going, but you recognized that every time you moved jobs, you gained experience that would then benefit you later. 100%. I think the the willingness to say yes, uh, including and especially in times where I was being asked to do something in a space that was not a competency I thought that I necessarily had or a place that I was uh, even excited about jumping into, often created, uh, you know, a surprise in, oh, I didn't think I would learn this thing, or wow, I didn't know I'd be challenged in this way, or oh, I didn't know that I would uh, have coming out of the other side of this experience something that now makes me more prepared for the job that I'm stepping into. So, uh, you know, kind of choosing discomfort or looking for discomfort or willingness to jump into discomfort definitely was a part of my journey. And having had that as a part of my brand, this willingness to say yes, I was approached more frequently for opportunities because of the likelihood that I would say yes. And the uh, example of having had experiences in different places and having some success in different places gave people a trust that I could figure things out that weren't necessarily on like resume you know style uh, making me the best candidate but because I'd had some experience of walking into things that were strange or different and doing decent or well and it, it's worth saying too that you when you say that you walk in or, or took jobs that were strange or different you were doing that at a proven company you weren't like it wasn't like some guy in a back alley was like hey you should probably do this i just think it's worth saying to maybe women who are listening who are interested in starting a new career or maybe right out of school uh, this doesn't mean that you go work for like your cousin april and then you go find like some random thing on craigslist like you you were taking chances at a place that you knew you'd still be able to pay your rent it was a crazy job, but it was a crazy job for a company that was legit. Yeah. I mean, and you say I raised my hand, and in fact, my hand is always in the air, but it was sometimes, yes, that I was an advocate for me as a good candidate for a role, but other times it was me as the person who picked up the phone when it rang and agreed to do the thing that mm-hmm. even against some of the suggestion of my mentor set, and, and they have. Been great that way. Do you feel like men in business are more apt to look out for other men coming up behind them than women? Huh. Uh, <laughs> I had not. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that the answer is yes, just because of the way that gender roles tend to kind of permeate business, you know, overall. Sure. Um, but 
uh, I don't know that I can say, you know, like there's a, a, a time where, man, that male executive should have been more proactive in reaching into the organization to pull a woman up necessarily, but like... I, like I, I actually said, wasn't thinking of it in terms of there being like, oh gosh, you should be on the lookout for women. I truthfully was kind of thinking of it more as a little bit of a boys club with, I don't know that I've heard, in fact, I have not heard in one interview a single woman say... Well, I had been given these opportunities because an, my, an older woman, a mentor, actually helped. And I do feel like that's something that you've had. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I, I have these 10 things that I sit in executive coffees or in town halls, and I talk about these are the kind of operating principles that are important to me and have governed the way that I interact with my teams. Mentorship is a is in the second one on the list after attempting to create some kind of balance between life and work. Uh but in that, you know, the, there is, I think, responsibility for the mentee in finding a mentor as much mm-hmm. as there is in the mentor, not just being a mentor, but also being a sponsor on behalf of the person who yes. is in that relationship. Um, but, you know, the, the, our company is taking this question seriously. There's a working women's initiative. I am not a woman, uh, but I am one of three representatives from the studio who sits on that uh, working group and do so because of my fondness for you, yes. Uh, but also for my uh, appreciation that we have to be more deliberate in how we think about how development and succession and growth and mentorship and all things show up uh, for women in the same way that they do for men. Absolutely. Right? What has, I want to get into um, the personal side of things because I want to flip the tables a little bit in that if I feel like women go on business podcasts, they ask them personal questions. So I just want to flip the tables on you. I haven't asked the women in this podcast any personal questions. So um, talk to us about work-life balance. How do you balance being an executive at this major company and being a dad and a husband? Do you have guilt? Does it feel stressful? Uh, What does that feel like for you? Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees. Period. Yep. That means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. 
Well, I, I mean, and I know how much you also believe this, but I do think the, the kind of like the notion of balance is an illusion. There is no such thing. There is... Uh, there are times when work is a priority and it comes at the expense of the things you like personally, including your family. And there are times when your family or your personal passions are a priority and that come at the expense of how much time you can put into work. And that is not a bad thing. It is a real thing. And recognizing it, giving permission for it, and being, frankly, okay with it, as long as you're not always running at 10 in one you know, or, or the other of the spaces, is... Uh, frankly, the way to have a really healthy and, and truly balanced life. Uh, I tend to uh, see my responsibility with our family as an equal responsibility to the one that you also have for the family. Uh, you know, and this is a little bit of a challenge to kind of the history of gender norms and roles uh, in business and just in life. But when we go to events and people ask you who's watching the kids, <laughs> yes. it's still ridiculous. Uh, still happens uh, because all I'm the as time. yeah, I'm as responsible for who's watching our kids, who gets them to doctor's appointments, how they're going to have a representative of us at their soccer game or performance at school, and um, and I, you know, like I think I have the luxury of. Uh, a, a, an organization that has flexibility as a part of its culture and something that you know everyone has permission as long as they treat it as a privilege, not a not a right. Um, but in that, you know, I work late if I have to to make up for having left early to go to a baseball practice. Yeah. Uh, I uh, and I try to, as a leader of an organization, set the tone for my team who I think themselves struggle with judgment of mm -hmm. others if they themselves indulge in balance, be they men or women, but particularly if they are women yeah. because of some of these traditional gender norms and, and you know, just kind of the history of the way that people have looked at men and women and who does what in family. A part of why I'm in, uh, in and working with this women's group and a part of why I, you know, try to, with my team, lead by example uh, when the outside of work stuff calls, I am unapologetically jumping into it, responsibly taking care of all of the work that needs to get done, either by delegating that responsibility or picking it up after it's, dinner. I mean, also, after. with like, with Lord, with the technology that we have now, we can get our work done from literally anywhere. I remember when we used to go on vacations 10 years ago, we'd go to Europe or something, and it was just like, well, you'll be off the face of the earth for the next two weeks. And now it just, there's no, you can, you can get it done at the soccer game. So I feel like there's, if there's, there's not a balance, but there's definitely a way to kind of um, mesh the two together. As an executive, there's something inhuman <laughs> from uh, a senior seat to a junior seat that having balance and bringing the things that come as an output of what you do in your personal time back into the office that humanizes mm -hmm. the executive who sometimes can feel an isolationist, you know, ish, you know, world. Yeah. So our adoption journey is a thing that I am comfortable to be transparent about inside of the office. And uh, it helps, one, create perspective for problems, right? Problems are all relative. And two, it humanizes us. It creates a culture that has us more bonded. There's some empathy that exists between employees, and it encourages other people to also feel comfortable to share the things that they are doing with their balance in a way that just makes our team work better, run better. How important has your marriage been for your career? I mean, I am 
where I am because of our marriage. I would I mean, say the same thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean about me, not. <laughs> you would say that I am I totally only agree. successful because of you. Yes. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's a question that people ask very often, but I do. A million percent, I wouldn't be where I am in my career if if I didn't have you as a partner. Well, I think too, there there definitely have been times where like work life balance is also like spouse spouse balance, right? Yeah. There are times when. I've had to run on the treadmill at nine or ten for lengths of time yeah. that requires the grace of a partner who can step in and take care of you some mean of the, the metaphorical th- treadmill, not like the actual treadmill. I don't ever <laughs> want to run on a treadmill at nine or ten. Period. That's yes. the end of this topic. Yeah. But uh, on the treadmill of life. There have been times where, hey, I've got to go on more trips than I'd like. Sure. I need to be more, you know, engaged in after work stuff for dinners or events. I need to do some weekend work or whatever it might be. And that only is possible if you have a partner who says, you know what, I got you during this, you know, hopefully short-term season of, you know, you Mm -hmm. needing to lean more into it. And the same is true on the flip side. As your work continues to be, as amazing as it continues to be, it will, you know, I'd say... I had some heavier lifting earlier on in our relationship, and I 100%, because of being witness to the trajectory of all things chic, am certain that it's going to go the other way, and when it does, yeehaw, let's go. Yep. But what do you think? Like your, like, 10 pieces of advice for everybody. The 10 pieces of advice for everybody, or the 10 pieces of what I call my operating principles, like basically when I was walking into during that crazy once a year, new job, conference room of people, hello, I'm your new boss, rather than waiting six or nine months for them to get to know me, it was a, let me fast track you through who I am and how I hope the culture here ends up working. And here are these 10 things that, you know, I want to try and organize around. Great, top 10 list, go. Top 10 list, number one, we already hit, which is, it's, the, it's just about balance, striving for balance or being considered a balance, working to live, not living to work, you know, making sure that you're making time for the things that you have personal passion for, but that you also give yourself the grace to know that balance is not a real thing yeah. and that there will be times when you need to be more work than family and I heard that I heard a question this or a, a thought this week that I just keep turning over and over in my brain. It feels like such a powerful thing for us all to consider is will this matter in 10 years? Anything that you're stressing out about. Almost nothing. Will this, almost nothing, your family, your health, um, the things that bring you joy, anything that you're doing to like set the stepping stone for where you want to go, those will matter in 10 years. But whether or not, this is, you know, this is so dumb, but I'm going to totally be honest. I went, um, we're trying on Oscar dresses today, and we are... They'll edit this out if it doesn't happen. If they're listening to this, it's in the future, so we will know whether or not we have a baby daughter next week. We're you know flying to Omaha uh, to maybe meet our daughter, and that coming on board means that I have been not caring about my diet or my like nothing because I'm emotionally eating and just trying to survive. And I was trying on dresses today, and man, like, you can tell, right? Like, you know when you've just been basically having tacos every day for a month. You're like, oh, hey, 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 I guess I'm going to wear Spanx. Um, (laughs) And I was, like, bummed when I was trying on. And then I was like, dude, this doesn't even, will this matter in 10 years? No freaking way. Do they have men's Spanx? I'm sure if they don't, they shouldn't, they should be called Manx. I just made that up. And we should start this company. 
Number two. Number two. Mentor, already talked about it, but find a mentor you trust who will help champion your growth in an organization. I just want to add to that idea, because you and I talk about this a lot, because both of us are asked a lot to be mentors to people who are total strangers to us. So the advice I would give for someone who is listening is being mindful of the fact that a mentor-mentee relationship is an organic thing. It is inappropriate to email a stranger, even if you saw someone speak on stage or heard them in a podcast. It's not inappropriate to email them and say, like, oh, my gosh, your words are so great. Loved that. Thank you so much. It is inappropriate to ask a stranger to be your mentor. It just is. (laughs) It is. It totally is. It is something that would happen naturally. Like, you're already meeting with a member of your staff, let's say, and during those meetings, like, you have a great rapport, and they're seeking advice, and you're able to speak into that space. Here's what I would say. Leave it to the mentor to decide whether or not they have time or not, but find somebody who is not inside of the business that you work in, like discreetly. Like I have people on my team who have come to me and said, can you be my mentor? And the answer is no, I cannot listen to the things that you have going on in your day to day and be objective about it because I manage this business. You need to find someone outside of the business that you work. And I would argue who has a set of skills that you want to have better in your own life. So if you see someone who's a great communicator and you are not a great communicator, yeah. and they work outside of your business, asking them seems appropriate, even if you, for, my, for me, do not know them well. Yeah. And for me, I have absolutely no problem taking a single informational meeting with somebody, but then letting them know if they've asked for a mentorship that I'm full. Yeah, you're a better person than I am. And I'm okay. Well, and the reality is, I, I'm doing, you know, three or four mentees at a time, and I tend to do them for a cycle of about a year. Yeah. And then I bring in somebody new. Here's what I, so this is he said, she said. I think Dave's bit of wisdom is advice. I'm going to offer some of my own, and then you guys can decide which one you like better. I think you need to add some value. I think if you want something from someone, you need to add value to their life, and then they are willing to reciprocate. If you reach out to me, let's say, and we have never met, and the third sentence of your email to me is, will you be my mentor? Um, To me, that says that you do not, you're not really paying attention to this business. You're not paying attention to us on social or my life. Because if you were, if we actually had a relationship, you would know that there's no way in the season I could do it. So I agree with that, by the way. I mean, I guess it's just, it's... No, no, no. Here's the thing. I agree with that. And I get... Not, I'm not trying to sound cool, but I get, I'm sure like you do, a request a week. Yeah. And I have no problem writing back a very gracious, thank you so much. I'm My plate is full. Yeah. But I'm still willing to give you 30 minutes if yeah. you'd like to swing by and I can give you a quick, you know, head, you know, and kind of high level. And these are people within your organization. Sometimes. Sometimes not. I mean, I, I spoke you know, publicly twice in the last 10 days and I, at the end of every presentation, because I'm cuckoo, uh, I give people my email address, yeah. and if they want to reach out, I'll give them 30 minutes for the most part. If yeah. I have time. If I don't have time, yeah. then I won't. But I'll still send back a note like, hey, I wish I could, but I can't. I wish you the best. Yeah. And leave it at that. Yeah. You're a good person. Number three, seek discomfort. Uh, and this was, I think, a little bit of like the tee-up question of like, why do you think you're in the job? I mean, like part of it was being comfortable to take assignments that put you outside of your comfort zone or a willingness, as was the case with Minneapolis, moving, I would argue, before you have family, but, yeah. you know, like a willingness to move. Uh, you know, like there's so many things that have come as a gift because of having jumped from place to place and thing to thing. And most of the time it required 
going from a place where I was more comfortable being an expert in a space into a space where I had no or little, yeah. less expertise at, at the very least. I feel like, too, um, the thing, there's something so incredible about experiences, the experience of Minneapolis was so powerful. The experience of going on vacation is so important. The experience of being overwhelmed in a new job is such a rad thing. It helps grow you as a person. It's hard to find new experiences when you're sitting in the same place year after year. I'll say it even a different way. I agree with you. I totally agree with that. But I would also say I started in research. I went to publicity. I moved then to talent representation. I went from there to marketing, product management, technology, sales, all of those things came together in a fabric that as then I sit at a table today, though I'm happy to have figured out I didn't want to do those things, I have just enough experience in having had some that I can add a little more value for having had that experience. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what makes you more marketable, makes you more likely a candidate for a job that you want. If you can say, I've had this tapestry of background and it all comes together to make me the unique best option for this job you're trying to hire for. Mm. Number four, deliberately brand you. A uh, bit of a self-serving thing, but uh, the idea of de developing initiatives, naming them, representing their value, and updating the organization as you progress on them. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no other person in an organization, in any field, that cares as much about how you are portrayed than you yourself. Yes. And if you are not deliberately being considerate of how you champion your own momentum or value creation inside of the organization in which you sit, then you are missing yeah. some of it. Yeah. Um, so you know, be considerate of that and then find people who can be accountability stewards on your behalf. If you need a breath mint, yeah. have someone who you've given permission to tell you that your breath smells. Yeah. You know, you've got it's something a, in your teeth. You've got yeah. something in your teeth. You're straying from this brand. I, I tend to say it if I were on an elevator and the person who has the potential to promote you is riding on it with me, what would you hope they say? Mm. Now, what are you doing in your day-to-day -day life to have them say that yeah, to me? Yeah, that's great. That's right, a great right. That's about your brand. Yeah. Uh, now, there's like you can tip very quickly from being confident in your brand to being a self-promoting cocky person yeah. who no one likes. Yeah. So you have to know where that line is and stay on the right side of it. But at least do yourself the service of writing down the attributes you hope someone on an elevator would say about you yeah. and then what you need to do in the organization you find yourself in to actually have them say. Yeah. I want to say, too. If you're listening to this and you're early in your career and you're sitting down going like, I've been here six months, I just really got to nail that personal brand. That's what's standing between me and VP. No. No. <laughs> Put your head down and get some work done. Yep. Let that be your personal brand. Let that speak about you and your value and what you are there to do. Too many, you know... Kids today are like trying to figure out the equation that gets them to the next step instead of figuring out how to just do work well in the space that they're in. Yeah, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And the idea of continued, consistent, high-quality work as a brand attribute of you mm -hmm. is way more important than almost anything else. Consistency is a great Ugh. word because that's something I found so much over the years is – you have people that'll knit, that will knock it out of the park every four times. And that sort of elongates how long certain people have been with me. Maybe I should have let them go sooner, but then they'd have that shining star moment again where they would knock it out of the park. Number five, 
build strong teams. Uh, surround yourself with strong people. Let them shine. It makes you look better when you give credit. Uh, but on the flip side, the flip side is be a part of a strong team. And in that, I would argue that working to have uh, your boss promoted is likely the fastest way that you yourself will be promoted. Yeah. Uh, so two things to unpack. One, there's something in human nature that has us resist hiring or bringing on people that may be better at things than us or be oh, stronger man. overall than us. My entire team is people who are better at things than I am. Well, you are, you have you are and are, you know, every day becoming a more mature business human. Yep. It is a sign of business maturity that you are comfortable to bring in people who will do things better than you. Yeah. Team leaders in all businesses struggle with the possibility that having brought somebody else on could come at the expense of them looking good. And really, yeah. great leadership is recognizing that sometimes it's about bringing people on that are better I than think you. how that plays out even when you're not a leader is having the maturity and the humility to walk over to someone else and go, gosh, especially I think women really struggle with this, but hey, Sarah, you are really great at Man, you are so good at giving presentations, and this is an area that I really feel like I struggle. Could I? Could I take you to coffee? Could we just sort of talk through? I do this with my own friends who are great speakers. Like, hey, how do you work through um, one of my own personal things that I'm trying to get better at? Is I when I'm on stage and I get nervous, I say um, and so I have a couple of girlfriends who both have been on the podcast this season who are incredible speakers and have given me like. Let me get advice from you. If you don't have a friend that can speak into that thing, find someone that you work with who's really good at it and have the humility to walk over and go, hey, you know, yeah. Michelle, you're so great at organization. Can you talk with me about how, how I maybe could get better? And then the added value is perhaps there's something that you possess that would be really helpful to Michelle that you guys could share wisdom together. Circle it of takes, life. It, it is. It takes... It takes humility, though, and I think that a lot of women are, are tend to be very threatened by other women and maybe don't do that like they should. Fair. Women and men, by the way. I've seen it uh, plenty of times both ways. Uh, the other piece of that was, you know, and it's a little, like, counterintuitive or maybe you don't necessarily think of it, but the person who has the most control over whether you will get the raise, the bonus, the uh, promotion is, in fact, your boss, the likelihood that they will respond more favorably to you working hard to get them promoted versus you working hard to get you promoted yeah. is not even close. Yeah. If you are working hard to get them promoted, they will work hard to get you promoted, yeah. period. Hey guys, we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview, but now a quick word from a sponsor. Want to listen to an audiobook that'll make you feel better about your crappy job? Party Girl takes listeners on an adventure among Hollywood's most beautiful and most outrageous people, revealing the ugly side of Hollywood's prettiest parties. The entire Girl series is now available on Audible, and it's read and written by me. <laughs> Discover the world of Audible Originals today at audible.com. Number six, practice radical candor. There is a fantastic, it's not a TED Talk, but about a 22-minute or so YouTube thing from someone named Kim Scott that I yep. encourage everyone to, once you finish this full podcast, yeah. spend the 22 minutes and enjoy it. It really kind of digs into uh, creating a culture that gives permission to people telling people when they have done something that isn't living up to expectations. Uh, and a lot of times I think we uh, tend to lean away from wanting to have critical feedback moments 
because it feels like it could be harsh on feelings when really we are not being kind by not giving people feedback. When you get to the point where you need to think about letting someone go or write somebody up, but you never along the way gave them any kind of feedback for fear of hurting their feelings, yeah. you're not being a good, kind person. You're, you know, you're kind of running away from doing what good leaders do. Yeah. Number seven, uh, integrity consistently. Uh, this one is really as, as much of anything. Work hard, work with integrity, and then don't worry so much about what other people think. Said another way, integrity is who you are when no one's looking. Yeah, that's good. I mean, this for me really came up when I was earlier on in my career. As I was getting advancement faster than others, the insecurity of that in my, my mind had when meetings would show up and I was worried about what others were thinking about whether I was deserving of my role, I would try to fill every open space with something smart so that I could prove my sure. worthiness. Lot, lots of people early in the right? career make this mistake. And it was just so transparent. It's so transparent to the point that my boss finally, because he was practicing radical candor then, pulled me into his office and told me to shut up. Just said, look, you have to have the confidence that the people who put you in this role know that you are good, mm -hmm. do the good work we know that you can do, and don't worry. If someone has a problem with you, it is not actually about you. It is about them. Yes. It's the insecurity they have about not having been considered for the role that you got or the growing as fast or whatever it might be. Uh, great words, uh, words that I will then contradict with the eight thing, which is that perception, number eight, perception is reality. Like you do have to still do 360s yeah. because... Understanding what people think of you. Which Explain what a 360 is for so, someone. So a 360 know. is taking your peer group, the people that are on your same level, your superiors, this you know a handful of people who work for you, even some customers if you interface with people outside of your company, and asking them to tell you confidentially how you are doing relative to expectations, and you know guess what you get some very very nice things said, but the area of course that you want to look first is what they say critically about you so that you know what their reality is, right? Mm -hmm. Their perception is their reality. Mm -hmm. And really, I think it ends up being if their reality is a big departure from that personal brand that you're hoping to have others taking away from you, how do you lean better into development or mentorship or training to get those two things, your brand and their perception, mm -hmm. aligned? I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way, as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, 
I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously, you can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach number nine be a solution provider understand the objectives of the customer and deliver solutions you know that are specifically relevant to that customer I mean like I deal with people uh, from the production side the press side the uh, movie theater customer side, my team side, executives, they could ask 
the same question using the exact same words, and my responsibility in delivering a solution to them is very specific to where they are coming from. If I'm getting a question from a creative person, it's different than when I'm getting a question from a financial person. And the answer I give them is catered specifically to the lens and and the place from which they've come while they ask the question. So uh, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. I mean, there is, though, uh, even in the delivery of solutions, sometimes it can be frustrating when you give the greatest and best and most appropriate solution, and it still doesn't necessarily land perfectly because you haven't spent enough time with that customer to have the trust that gets you to, okay, sounds good, as fast as you'd like. And that's just something that, you know, if you're a younger person listening to this, it just takes time. You have to actually be patient, laps around the sun. Over time, you will develop a rapport, some trust that allows people to say thank you as opposed to going to somebody else to get a second opinion. Sure. Right? Uh, And then the last one, number 10, the commitment to truth. Uh, demanding that your teams represent problems in an environment that does not penalize them for having them, but that absolutely insists every single time when they come with a problem that they also come with solutions. Amen. Yeah. My biggest pet peeve as a manager of people are the times when somebody walks in and says, this is broken. What do you think we should do? Because my, my instinct is to say, I think we should evaluate whether we need you here. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I would rather you walk into my office and have an idea, even if I tell you like, oh, actually, that that's insane. Like, there's no way. I would rather you take a stab at trying to figure out the solution than walk in and just keep telling me what's not working. Yeah, I just I can't. I couldn't imagine ever walking into one of my superior's offices and not having here's the recommendation and here are the options we evaluated and the rationale why behind why we chose you know, option A over option B. Absolutely. It's kind of the only way to do it. And you have to create a culture that does not penalize problems existing. The only, like the real, real bad thing that can happen in a culture that says in any way that having problems are bad is that you have small problems that could have very easily been dealt with, with transparency, that have become really big problems because nobody was comfortable enough to to deal with it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. So those are my 10 things. I like it. What are your 10 things? My 10 things? You don't have to have 10 things. I mean. I, I'm sure that I do. Co-op I did mine. a I did a keynote, I don't know, last year that was the 10 things I wish I would have known 10 years ago. That's good. In entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, I don't recall any of them right now, but they're <laughs> really good. What's your favorite part about your job? Like legit, don't give a canned answer. What is literally your favorite part about what you do? Uh, I mean, there's an energy around the opening of a movie for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, Star Wars weekend is silly in in a great way. Um, There's something about a premiere, you know, like going to like the magic of Hollywood kind of, you know, stuff like a premiere. Yeah, we're about to walk into a pretty epic weekend. Yes, we are. It's Oscar weekend, which is a huge perk of your job. Yeah. I mean, like I've, I've taken a lot of pleasure in the last year or so in doing more you know, kind of coaching, mentoring, sitting yeah, with folks kind of stuff to. that there's um, there's a little more satisfaction in some of the, you know, kind of interaction and the kind of good feelings that come out of being someone who can give back to people as they're coming up in their uh, in their jobs as well. Um, I just, I you know, I work at a great place. I, I do think it's important if you find yourself working at a place where either you're 
personal passion. Like if you made a list of things, people come to my office, sorry, sidebar, but like people come to my office at crossroads all the time where they've worked for a long time and they're like, hey, I got to find something new. And I suggest a kind of hokey, but I think, you know, kind of simple and no duh uh, thing every single time they come. I say, look, go make a list of the things that you are personally most passionate about without any thought for uh, their application at work. You like movies. You yeah. like to play sports. You like whatever it is. Make that list. Then take a pause. Yeah. I would say go have a, an adult beverage. Yeah. But take a pause. Or get a drink. A little Lacroix. Whatever you'd like. Whatever. And then return and make a list of the things that you think make you stand out from others because of you doing them better than everyone else. What are your strongest competencies? And if you can take those two lists and lay them on top of each other you then should start looking for opportunities inside of the business world that can take advantage of both your personal passions and the things that you have the strongest competencies for. Which again, like it should be kind of a no-duh thing. If you don't like uh, business, uh, you shouldn't be working inside of business. Uh, if you don't like radial tires, you know, I don't know who likes radial tires. Wow. Uh, but I mean, here's the thing. There are plenty of times when we have a sales meeting or some rah-rah get-together and you realize, I'm going to talk about movies for the next 90 minutes. And hey, good news, I like movies. Yeah. And I get to work at this place with the greatest brands ever collected. There are a, a, a similar room of people that are talking about all-terrain tires. Yeah. And you have to find some real great satisfaction in some component of that tire business. Yeah. Or you ought to find something else sure. to pour your, you know, your passion sure. and energies into. But... Um, I, I, you know, I say that too. And then I get questions like, but I'm, I went, I'm an accountant. I'm like, then go be an accountant at a dog food company. Like 100%. You, you loved, your passion is dogs, but you were an accountant. Go be a, an accountant at a dog food I just, company. I just had this. It was someone who was uh, a finance person, like an accountant. And they grew up a massive fan of wrestling and an opportunity to go work at the, like some MMA or, mm-hmm. you know, wrestling kind of an organization showed up and it was goodbye. Yes. Because if you're going to do this be. thing that may not necessarily reveal massive bursts of awesomeness in, you know, inside of the workplace, you might as well work at a place that yeah. lets you have that because of just being close to it. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I, I mean, both, both you and I have been so blessed to work in spaces that we're really passionate about and get excited about the work that we're doing. And I'm sure that people hear that and go like, well, easy for you to say. Yeah, but you have full control over what you choose to do with your life. Even if you're not able to make those steps tomorrow, you have control over what you choose to do next and where it leads you and what where you set those goals and how you figure things out. If you're going to have to work for a living like most of us do, Work at something you actually care about, or at least that's interesting. Yeah, and I would say too, because I definitely there are bursts of massive excitement, and then there are you know kind of lulls of not as much. I have really been on a pursuit in the last two years of the things that are consistent, regardless of the action level, mm-hmm. right? So like managing people is a thing that is always there, whether we're really busy or not as busy. Mentoring people, same kind of thing being available for executive coffees or talking at town halls. And so, you know, the idea of developing people is a thing that if you want to be a manager of people, you you should have some passion for. Yeah. And that's a thing that never, ever goes away. And if ever you think, like, 
I'm good. It's all done. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're wrong. You're never going to be done developing people. Yeah. Right. And so, I've you know, like I've found myself turning into and investing more time in one on ones and like being really comfortable in candid conversations about where there's still some work that you need to do in this space. Let yeah. me be someone who can come alongside you and have um, hopefully some help in you getting from point A to point B. I think you and I are, are really good partners to each other. I hope you feel like I'm a good partner to you. So-so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would just, I'd love your perspective. I think a lot of women are listening, like from a, from a husband's perspective or just from a partner's perspective, um, what are the things that have been really helpful or have felt supportive to you? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I think at, at our core, men want to be a hero to our family, to our wife, to our partner, and our work as such a, a, an important part of our identity uh, is something that as, and you've been an awesome, just uh, an amazing cheerleader in every single job I've ever had at uh, really making me feel the, the kind of the respect at the core that builds that heroism in like delivering for our family. Um, and sometimes that takes form of just listening. Hey, I've come home for the day and I want to talk about what's going on. Sometimes it's been, uh, I'm taking a little bit of a dour point of view on culture, uh, you know, lull and having you give me a little kick in the rear, mm -hmm. um, which I think is as important as being a really supportive listener, cheerleader when things are going great. Um, and, uh, and, and there are definitely, you know, my job is one that requires spousal participation and yeah. you, you know, <laughs> yep. you play a great role when it comes to, uh, you know, being, yes, an awesome entrepreneur in your own right and a runner of this cool, crazy business, but you're also an executive's wife in, you know, those moments when that is a part of this thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just, it makes a difference. Yeah. It makes a difference. Yeah. So I ask everybody who comes on the podcast the same five questions. These are things that I wor worry, <laughs> that I wonder about other uh, people in business. And now I will ask them to you. Okay. Even though I know all of the answers. Okay. What time do you get up in the morning? I get up at 5.52. Yes, you do. Why do you get up at 5.52? I work out at 6.30. That is accurate. So far, you are not lying. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> uh, do you like coffee? And if so, what is your coffee order? I do like coffee. I have the boringest coffee order. I get a drip. <laughs> With nothing in it. Nothing. You just have it black. Yes. yes. That's the way, the way that God originally intended it to be drink. Amen. What is your workout of choice and how often do you do it? My workout of choice is abuse via a gentleman <laughs> named Andy yep. at the Equinox down the road. Yep. And how often do you do it? Five days a week. And I would love to hear, just because I know this about you, um, how big of a deal, how important is physical health and fitness in your work? The connection between mental health and physical health is something I don't know that I had a total awareness of until I actually cared more about physical health. Yeah. Shocker. Uh -huh. uh, there was this saying at, at one point, uh, dress well, test well. Uh, but I actually think that like 
be physically fit, be mentally fit. Is that true? Dress well, test well? Uh, I don't know that it is, but... Sounds like something they told kids in the 80s. Yeah, I do think that there's a little bit, uh, and and it's not so much just like a, I think, school euphemism as much as it is a suggestion that if you dress for the job that you'd like to yeah. have, you may yes. in fact get that because Dress of, for the job you want is real. Yeah, I, believe I think that. that's real. No, but I, I think there's... There's something to having more energy. There's something to starting your day right. There's something to, for me too, like the consistency uh, since adopting this getting up every day at the same time, same workout. It's become a habit that is a part of who I am and how I am. And it changes then the way that I think about what I'm going to eat. I just got beat up by a dude named Andy for an hour. So I'm not going to have nachos for breakfast. Yeah. Uh, I have the they same would be delicious. Yeah, I have the same oatmeal every morning before I go, the same protein drink every day when I come back. I have my eggs as soon as I get to the office. I mean like it's boring, I guess in Habitual. some respects, but it is my habit. Yeah. Uh, and I feel unbelievably healthier and better for having some consistency and just for being active. Great. You travel a ton for work. You have traveled a ton for work in the history of your career. What is the one travel accessory you feel like is essential to travel for you? Sleep aids. That's real. (laughs) Sleep aids, which help you get on the time of the place you're going. I mean, if you're traveling to Dallas, I guess, like, my recommendation would be comfy shoes. But (laughs) I'm thinking more of my international travel and the idea of having to do business the next morning. You better have had some sleep. You probably needed something to help you get on to that time zone. Real. Real. Last question. Yes. This podcast is called Deus. Deus is a platform from which we speak. I ask every single person, what is their soapbox moment and specifically ask these women to speak to other women in business what is the one thing that you see women doing that if you could stand on a soapbox if you could shake their shoulders if you could tell them one thing this is what it would be which feels like a big deal you are a man speaking to what you would say to women in business that would help them in their careers if you could just be like ah girl this is what you're missing do you have an opinion goodness gracious that seems like a pretty big thing to off the cuff give you. Did you not prepare other people with uh-uh. a thing before and you every asked? woman knew the answer immediately. Just immediately. I think it's something that just sort of resonates in your bones that you kind of see other people doing. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I, I saw someone post yesterday Webster's definition of feminism, which is that women and men should be afforded... Equal, equal rights. rights. That's all it means That's to be a feminist. Is. People think it means something such crazy. Literally, it equal, just means that you believe that a woman rights. should have the same rights as a man. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. If you say that you're not a feminist, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. You can be conservative. You could be Southern. You could love to wear makeup. You could be all those things and still be a feminist and just believe that we deserve the same pay for the same work that we deserve the same right ra- I mean don't even get me talk it's about it it's too late you <laughs> already got started <laughs> sorry sorry keep going honey uh, well i mean you know as a person who you know wants to have a business that is uh, as successful as possible at all times there is so much that backs up the uh, the idea that having 
diverse voices at a table is every single time a thing that is going to drive your Amen. business positively. But I love the idea that diversity is so important. Yeah. Women, when, women tend to be very threatened by other women. And I think that it's not only about embracing other women, it's about embracing other women who don't look and act and think and grow up like you did. Yeah, well, I mean, diversity is so important. And at the same time, I just took my team through something called unconscious bias. There are so many things because of the history of the way people, yeah. other, yeah. be it women, be it minorities, be it people who have different you know, capabilities or disabilities, uh, have been treated, um, that there's a bias in how people come into conversation, into community, into giving permission, giving, uh, you know, accepting points of view. And there are things in men, but I would say, you know, maybe even more because of the way that history has treated women in business, in women that unconsciously lives inside of you that regulates how you uh, allow yourself to be yep. the awesome self that you are. Speak up for and yourself. Yeah. Jobs that you... 100%. Yep. And so I think it's like the more that you can be aware of the governors that may exist inside of you that don't because of the way society has allowed men to kind of have and do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Hopefully before you stop yourself from sitting at the table, before you stop yourself from raising your hand or being uh, someone who can, you know, be as strong as, or be as engaged as, or be as much a leader as somebody else that you have the confidence in the skills that you have and do it and, yeah. and push yourself and be that. Um, and, and in fact, if you guys want to hear more about unconscious bias, listen to the episode with uh, Brittany Barron because we talk about that quite a bit oh, in right our interview. So she, she goes into it a lot. Right on. Um, that's a great that. answer, man. Why are you so awesome? I was born this way like you Lady Gaga. Like Lady Gaga. Um, I wish that the whole world knew how awesome and special and amazing it is to have you as a partner and I think for at least this little time for this podcast they got to experience some of the wisdom and insight that I am blessed enough to get anytime I want <laughs> so thank you so much for sitting down and answering questions and talking to the listeners about the wisdom you've earned in your career because I think no, I know that there will be people who listen to this and are inspired and made better by the things that they heard today. So thank you so much. Thank you, honey. You're the best. Love you. I love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, guys, if you like this episode, I hope you will consider subscribing to the Deus podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends, and showing some love on social media. For a newbie show like mine, those reviews are everything. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. To stay in touch with all things Deus, you can check out thechicsite.com or follow me on social media. I am Ms. Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover, the more you can save. Amica, empathy is our best policy.
Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.